Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Fiction. Science fiction, horror, fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Now entered the house of mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino. John Copenhaver and Al Warren on KCBQ 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside, and 105.0 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the house of mystery. In from putting up the Christmas lights. Yeah, it's one of those traditions that people named Goldberg have to do if you married somebody named Grizzolano. So, yeah, I just thought that was normal. I thought, uh, uh, I call thought them Hanukkah it, lights. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, because you'd be counting the pennies of the money of going out on the energy. That's true. Well, I, I might play dreidel, get some guilt out, and I'll make sure I can pay it off. Hey, well, you know, somebody you could have just bought. What was that? Uh, Superman's cape just went for $200,000. Holy. Christopher Reeves? or, or No, uh, the, the one, one from the, from the, the George show? Reeves. George Reeves? The, yeah. Yeah, the one that got shot. Just sold for 200000 American in an auction. Okay. Wow. Huh? Where'd you find the money? <laughs> Are you kidding? I'd go to the I'd go to the dollar store before I go. <laughs> Are you kidding? That's outrageous. I mean, wow, that's a lot of money for a cape. There's collectors. Actually, I, I thought it would be higher. 
because there's only one of them. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if it had the bullet hole in it. Oh, man. Check, please. Waiter, check, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Am I being inappropriate again? Oh, well. How can you help it? Yeah, I know. I just know. I keep trying to be nice, but. Practice makes perfect. Yeah. What can I do? Yeah. Well, okay. So today we have a Canadian writer. Even though the the name it's it's it, she's probably working for the CIA or some some COVID agency pretending to be a Canadian, and she's really you know we didn't collect on the Canadians so, that was we'll, illegal. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll 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 just keep an eye yeah. on her just in case you know. Yeah. So now the book we're talking is called Dealer's Child, and it's Jade and Sage thriller series. And I believe it's book two. We'll find out. The author is Joanna van der Broek. Thanks for being here. Good, good, good pronunciation there. Snaps, snaps, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was about to cough. That's (laughs) (laughs) Well, Joanna, this is interesting. Now, um, so this is only your second book in the series. Is that your second book period, too? Yes, I'm... I'm actually working on book three, which deals with spies. You know, it's kind of funny that you thought that uh, maybe I was doing <laughs> covert operations up here in on Vancouver Island. But uh, yes, it's book two and book three is with my editor now. So this is really a big conspiracy going on. See, see, we, we caught there on to go. this, Joe. There you go. Report it to your contacts. I, I probably have to know what's <laughs> going on yeah, we we know what's going on here. She's here to it's overthrow something. Well, you know, it's that everybody says Canadians are uh, nice, so uh, we just kind of fly underneath that little title, and no one suspects anything, right? What a good – that's a good plan. <laughs> Boy, that's a good book. Let's get into this. That would be great. <laughs> Why writing? Like, Because uh, that just started for you. Let's say 2019 was The Unraveling, which is your first book. And when I look at that, I think, okay, so it's only been a couple of years. Um, what made you all of a sudden decide you're a writer? Well, I actually wrote The Unraveling in 1999. Yeah, yeah. I uh, And as a kid, I did not like reading. I actually hated reading. And uh, my mother encouraged my sister to just try to find a book that I'd like to read. And uh, my sister did. And it had to do with adventure. It had to do with action. And once I read that book, I was hooked. And I wanted I wanted to write my own stories as a kid. And um, did that all through high school. And um, went to college. I took economics. And I swear that beat every creative gene in me out of me after taking economics. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, actually, it was about four months after my mom passed that uh, I thought, let's let's get that manuscript out and let's let's see if I could, if I remember thinking to myself if there was something salvageable because it had been twenty years about since I had read that manuscript. And I thought if there was something salvageable, I thought in it, I would pursue it. And uh, yeah, and I, I did a lot of rewrites. We have something in common. Okay. Because I wrote my first book in 1999, 
when I was, I was out of the agency, sat on it. And then a couple friends got cancer sick. I said, I better pull this thing out. And then got it out because, yeah. you know, it sat there for yeah. all those years. So it was very similar. Yeah. Got to, you know, you just got to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and I, ha- and I have to tell you, Joanna, that, uh, Joe really was in the CIA. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's what he meant seriously. by agency. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. That's great. Yeah. Nice to meet you, Joe. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, anything you do to help, let me know in book three. Oh, you betcha. Yeah. I write my third and final espionage book, I think. Oh, wow. Then to me, that means, because I always say this, because there's always something that is a catalyst that, 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 makes you jump into doing the writing as and getting it published. You know, when you're sitting there and you have a book at, at home for 20 years and you're living life that, that's created, you know, you got a job and they got the whole thing going on. And all of a sudden, there's always that one thing that happens and then you just do it. And so I, I'm, a, I'm kind of guessing that was your mother's, your mother's death that did that. Well, she also was like my greatest supporter um when she knew i had started writing okay so i should clarify a little bit i remember early 20s telling her i was going to start writing a book what she did which i thought was really sweet is she we have it's not it's it's called goodwill but it's where you can take secondhand clothing books dishes you can take that there for others, right? And she went to the Goodwill and she bought all these Harlequin romances. And she came to my house and she gave me this plastic bag full of Harlequin romances. And she goes, here, you want to write a book? Here are some books. This will help you be a, a better writer, okay? And her heart was so in the right place, Um I did try to write a Harlequin romance, and I remember the rejection letter was that my stories were just a little too dark. So I thought the writing was kind of on the wall, you know, and I thought, let's stick with thrillers. (laughs) I can't write romance. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if everyone's ending up dead in the book, it's not very romantic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Something goes on there, right, you know? Yeah. So she was pretty, she was inspirational. Yeah. Well, you said you were, as a kid, you wouldn't read that you read a book and it turned you around. What was, what was the book? The Bobsy Twins. Yeah. Yeah. And you know that because yeah. like you, you recognize that some people say the Bobsy Twins and they'll look at me like, right. Who, who? Right. So yeah, I just, I wanted that adventure. So it was about the adventures of them inside the book that got you. Yeah. The characters, which they, which they were. Yeah. Interesting. Like you say, Al, there's always something that pushes you. First, Bobsy Twins, and then yeah. Life Event. Time to get that creative juice out. Then it's over. Yeah. <laughs> Man, you are just a bundle of joy. You're a rolling ball of razor blades today. I got, yeah, I got to get in a better mood here, you know. Now, this is a Jade and Sage thriller series, and you've got two books. So Jade and Sage must be your two main characters. Now, first of all, when I see um, two characters uh, like that, so are we talking, are they um, professional investigators, or are they just amateurs that fall into it? 
like um where and and where did you come up with these characters okay so they're sisters and they're amateurs i originally wasn't going to have sage in the book but jade is a lawyer and what i was finding at that time Okay, so going back to, let's say, 19, 1999, that's, I think, of the Prince song <laughs> when I say that. Yeah. Um, at that time, there weren't a lot of Canadian mystery thriller novels, okay? And I, I'd read lots of American, and I'd see lots of American shows, but there wasn't anything Canadian. And at that time, in Canada, we were being told, kind of like in the different writing magazines, that don't situate your story in Canada because it's not going to sell. So, um, you know, it, there, there are differences between the two law, like between American and Canadian law, you know, like we all, I'm getting a bit of a, on a tangent here. Sorry, Alan. Um, <laughs> just quickly though, like in our courtrooms, we have sheriffs where in the States sheriffs also correct me, Joe, if I'm wrong, they do some investigating. Yeah, the sheriff's department. Yeah, investigates yeah. crimes. Yeah, one so, of the elements. Yeah, so Jade is a lawyer. She's an ad hoc prosecutor because, as a prosecutor, she has to remain impartial. Okay, the police provide the police report with, and in that police report should be the evidence that she can then go to trial to prosecute someone. So Jade is an ad hoc lawyer. But it caused some conflict because she can't investigate. So that's why I can have her do defense work where she can do some investigation because that allows an avenue for her. So it, I took what I saw working at the prosecutor's office in Nanaimo and Victoria. I was a Supreme Court assistant and I wove my stories around what I was exposed to. Okay. I, is that, that's a very long answer to your question. <laughs> no, that's, that's, it doesn't matter. There's no, there's no limit. It's just, it's just whatever works yeah. for you. Like that's, that's what we're trying to find out. Like how, it, and that's yeah. great. And then with Sage, I love illustrating motorcycles and I use but are called Copic markers. And I thought, why not have, if Jade is the lawyer kind of, you know, adheres to the law, why not have a sister who's more, um, you know, I don't want to say badass, well, that just did, but you know what I mean? Like more, you know, pushes against the law. Okay. It's just to add a bit of dynamic and conflict. Now, do each character, they have both about equal presence in the book? Jade has more. Jade is, is the lead character, and I write in the first-person point of view. So she's, she's leading the story. Right. Okay. So how, how do you experience Jade? Like, what's, what is Jade to you? Is Jade like a um, close friend, family member? Do you experience Jade by hearing the voice or do you see Jade like in a movie? Uh, how, what's your process in experience with the lead character? I'd say I hear her and I see scenes as I'm, I'm 
I'm typing. Okay. Um, sometimes I've, I remember once I admitted, I admitted that she was like my alter ego, but I'm starting to think, mm, not so much. She's, she's more someone I'd aspire to be. Okay. And she makes mistakes. That's the one big thing I really wanted is I wanted a heroine who would make mistakes. Okay. And so I'm just trying some days to type fast enough before that idea before that line of dialogue kind of zips out of my brain, right? How much of yourself do you think goes into Jade? <laughs> That's a good question. Jeez. I'd say about, oh, God, 60%. Yeah. So the good things? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> not all the, no. No, no it's all the- you know, she, I don't want to say, I don't want to say she has issues because then people are going to think, oh, Joanna's got issues. No, she has, she's got stuff she needs to, to work out. And, you know, her, if anything, I have to say, I use more of some of the comments my husband makes. And I'll, I'll, like, he'll say things and I'll just kind of look at him with this look, like, I have got to write that down you know so uh yeah that's the writer's thing you always you're always yeah. hearing dialogue in the grocery store or would you say just speak louder please i didn't quite get yeah. that it sounded good yeah. let, let me let me ask you a question on the on the thematics of your books um i get relationships out of your books i get daughter mother spirit mother yeah. um Sister, 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 girlfriend, friend. I get husband, wife. Is the relationships uh, kind of a key theme in your book, or am I missing something here? No, you got it. You got it. Yeah. Uh, That's (laughs) for someone who can't write romance, I have relationships. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But um, I like. Well, well, I was going to say with the romance, that might be because a lot of the Harlequin romance is it's, it's, it's an illusion. Yeah. Right. So everything's perfect. Everyone's perfect. Everything's lovely. And they're all beautiful people in beautiful places having an incredible, intense relationship. Whereas you're writing relationships that are probably more real, right? Well, let's just say in Dealer's Child, uh, Jade learns that the man who she thought was her father is not her father. Okay. And when I was writing this and I was writing about the mom who was a blast to write because the mom grew up in the sixties and, uh, meets someone else who of course ends up being Jade's father. Okay. But I know when I was writing it, I was wondering how readers would be accepting of the fact that basically Jade's mother had an affair. Okay. And I thought, Hmm, this this may not go over well, but I thought this is this is my story, right? So uh and dealing with that, right? Like imagine like that's that was the big I guess that's the big question in this book is growing up believing like into your adulthood, believing that no no, you know, the people who are your your mom and your dad and finding out that this like idyllic relationship is not what it actually is cut out to be you know so then jade has to deal with when she does find out who 
her real father is. Like she has to deal with that. Yeah, so but then she has to deal with Sage and she has to deal with all the rest of that circle that, you know, yeah. she's, she's got that, like you said, that biker background kind of feel. You, you like motorcycles. Um, so, yeah. So there's a lot of different layers to the relationships of these people. It's not just parents and kids. It's siblings. It's spouses. It's all these things. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And Sage, Sage isn't, doesn't, uh, Sage is all raw emotion and Sage will just blurt things out and then think about, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that, you know, where Jay tries to, you know, be a little more careful with her words. Well, okay. So Sage is a drama queen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, haven't we all been in relationships where we've said to someone, you didn't really say that, did you? Did you say that? Tell me you didn't say that. Like, I, I, I say that to my husband all the time. <laughs> right? <laughs> you find relationship writing uh, easier to do versus the action part of it or the anything else, you know, the, the atmospherics? Actually, I like the action. I like writing... Oh, I'll just say it. I like writing the fight scenes. Um, I like, for example, I'm thinking about, I'm doing, I call it the honeymoon porridge draft of book four now. And I'm thinking I need to go watch some good action movies, you know, just to see how they fight, you know, and I'll, I'll watch the action movies and think, okay, he brought his left arm up or he brought his right arm up or I'll, I'll go to my husband and say, and I'll motion from, what's this move, right? And I'll, and I'll I'll do it. And he goes, that's an uppercut. I'm like, okay, good. You know, and I scribble that down. Or what's this move, you know? And he's like, you just elbowed, you know? So I do like writing the action scenes. Um, they get a lot of rewrites because like the, the first, what you put down is so rough. And then I find I go back and it's like, okay, let's see if we can get the impact but make it easy for the reader to read, right? Because if if it's hard for the reader to read, then I don't think I've done my job, you know, as a writer. Now, getting into the minds of the bad people in your book, um, yeah. who do you use? Um, is it someone you know, or can you just sort of imagine who this bad person is and they become a real character and you get into it? Or you go out there and, and do really bad things and then write it down? I, oh, gosh. There's, there's an actor. I cannot remember his name. Okay, here's the best. Um, remember the TV series House of Cards? And it's not... Oh, it's Spacey. Kevin. It's not him. But there were episodes where there was this blonde actor who was like on the other political... The other political leader who was kind of pitched against Kevin Spacey and he's a Swedish actor and his name has gone. And I saw an image of him in a futuristic kind of, uh, I don't want to say robot movie. And I thought he'd make a good Oscar, you know? And so I, I going with that image of him and thinking he would make a good Oscar, this, this other character. And I just, I could see someone who was like very suave and owns sports cars and 
I just started building on that, on that and, and smart, very smart, you know? So, uh, yeah, I, my, my bad guys, they, they also have the best part, I think, with writing about bad guys is they have a, in their mind, a good reason for what they're doing, even if they're breaking the law. Right. You give it, you give it so that you understand why they're doing what they do. Yeah. So what is your, your writing process with something like this? Do you, do you have to be in a certain mood or can you just turn it on and off as you need to? Well, mornings work really well for me. And actually I was just interviewing, uh, just before, cause I have my, my own podcast and I was just interviewing Susan Shane Wright. And we were talking about what is it about having a shower that you come out and you've got ideas just like popping in your brain, you know? And, um, so I, I don't know, Joe and Alan, if you find that sometimes it's hard to turn it off, you know, once you're in that mood or in that story, I just know like in the mornings, great writing time and uh, sometimes late, late at night. And if I'm really tired for some reason, when I'm like dog tired, that's when I'll get some of my best ideas. Yeah, I get up. I get up and write from like one to three o'clock in the morning. Two to four is my best time. My brain is clear. Really? Yeah. There's, and I think your shower thing is like it's multi-sensory, right? So it's it's water, it's touch, it's feel, it's you smell the soap, and it kind of gets your brain going. And the, but the, yeah. on the flip side is those the total solitude when there's quiet yeah. and your brain can't shut off. That's like I need to. Yeah, I now I can think clearly. You know, the sensory is focused on one specific thing. At least that's how I think about it. What's going on? Yeah, and I'm just completely insane. Yes, that's true. <laughs> he throws up the alphabet in the air, and when it falls down, he's written a book. Yeah, I, I'm insane. <laughs> I write all the time, every day, day night, yeah. all over. But yeah. I, what is it that you get out of a book when you finish it? Oh wow, it's. <laughs> Gosh. Like, do you think, do you think that it, um, changes some of your own perceptions and, and how you're going to write the next book? Like, what is, how does it change you? I've noticed with, um, this one I'm writing now in, in Den Haag or in The Hague, I've noticed that I've become braver. For instance, um, see, I used to work for a lawyer who he had prosecuted. He was one of the prosecution team um, when Slobovan Miloskovic was being tried. Yeah, yeah. And so that always interested me. And, you know, so I've, I've been researching the International Criminal Court. And then what blew my mind was when I logged on to the International Criminal Court's website, they web streamed their trial dates, they web, web stream court appearances. And, uh, you know, you can, you watch and you see, you know, a war criminal, okay, alleged, alleged war criminal being prosecuted. And once I saw that, I thought, okay, I can do this. I can, I may, I'm, I may not be able to go to Holland or the Netherlands at this point in time, but if I do my research really well. I can write a story that play, takes place in The Hague, you know, out of my comfort zone. 
because all my stories have taken place in Victoria. You know, I, I lived in Victoria. I know Victoria. So uh, it's made me braver, more confident, you know, because like I said, I'm taking on this, this story now in Holland. Yeah. And it's fun. It's fun. Right? Yeah. International thrillers. Yeah. I think I had like six different countries or continents or whatever what I got in my last book. It's like all over the place. Um, when you're, you, you, you mentioned something earlier in a lawyer, the law firm and you, you got braver. Do you go flip it? Do you self-censor? Cause you have a, you know, relationships. I go back to the relationship thing in your book. You got sage and things. Do you, do you self-censor yourself at all as you're writing some things? It's pretty much not here. I'm not worried about political correctness, quote unquote, bunny ears, or you just let it, just write it. I just write it. That's the first draft. I just write it. And, um, then I go back. And then I'll, 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 because I, and that's what I'm thinking with the one that's with the editor now. I'm wondering if I have let some of my own opinions slip into the writing, you know? So she's, she's a good, she's good. She's good. I used to work with her and we worked in a regulations, acts, law environment. So she's very in tune with like sensitivity, right? So, yeah. When someone picks up the book and reads it, um, what is it you want them to take away from that book? Uh, underneath the action and is the relationship parts, what is it you want them to take away? You know, I actually, I just thought of this answers, I think, better the previous question and what I want them to take away. When I write, I write for me. I, I want a thrill ride. Okay. Um, I've been reading some books which have dealt with, uh, in Canada, you know, the residential schools and the colonization. I don't write that type of book. For me, it's for pure enjoyment. It's the thrill ride for myself. And then I hope that after a reader reads one of my books, they have gone on that same thrill ride. Okay. If I can, if I can take myself away from this world we're living in at the moment. And if I can do that for a reader, then I'm, I'm pretty damn happy. Yeah. Oh, so you want them to go out and do the same things they read in your book. No, 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 no. I want them to, I want them to escape. Yeah. I want them to be able to escape. Yeah. You'll be having people giving references. Here comes the uppercut elbow hit. Okay. Just go out and do that to the guy in the grocery store. (laughs) Yeah. I got my idea from this Joanna Vanderbilt. She's some Norwegian writer. It's undercover. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So each book runs separate? Like, they don't need to, um, they they stand alone. Yeah, they are standalone. Yeah. So how long do you think you're going to be doing something like this? How are you, how are you finding the writing experience? Are you happy with it? It feels good. It feels really good. Uh, for the longest time, I was writing while working full time. And I just I don't like using the word retired, but I did. I retired in January and it took me a while to kind of get through my own brain that I didn't, that the time was 
slipping away from me. You know, it, it took me a while to realize that, okay, if you don't write Sunday for two hours, that's okay. Like take a breath. You don't work Monday morning. You can, you can write Monday morning, you know, like it's almost like my writing when I worked full time was so crammed and segmented in little blocks of time. And it's taken me a few months to realize that's not my life anymore. Right. So, um, I, I, you know, I, I really love writing. Like I say, I write for me and I hope I can, the thrill ride I get, I can, I can give it to the reader. What do you find the most difficult part? What don't you like about writing? Cause you can't love it all. Believe me. I know that. So is it the, the ideas the turning the brain off, whatever it might be? I think it's when, you know, like I call it the honeymoon stage when like now I'm getting there where it's, I'm at like 25,000 words and I'm thinking, okay, the honeymoon's over. <laughs> Because <laughs> I don't plot. I don't plot. I'm a pantser. And it's just like, okay, what's next? Right? That, that, that kind of, that voice in the back of your mind that says, okay, you, yeah, you've got 25,000 words here. Good. You got a story, but it, it's starting, like, it's almost like I'm starting to lose gas. <laughs> you know? So I, I've, I've got to now really think about whether it's plotting or where the story is going. Yeah. You know, your ending or just kind of right to the end and it shows up. No, I don't. And that's the thing, which I think is why I'm getting apprehensive now is because I thought, what is your climatic scene? Like, what is your climatic scene going to be with your, with Jade when she's in Holland? What, what is going to be that scene? And I think once I know what that climatic scene is, then I know how I can build up to that. Right. right. And right now I've kind of, I'm, I guess you could say I'm one third up the hill and I know I have two thirds more to go. Right. Cause I still haven't figured out that climatic scene. Yeah. Yeah. I call them signposts. I write, I, I know there's three or four things I know have to happen and the things are going to change. So I, I don't know how to get there, but I'm a right to it. And, I, and then at that point I go to the next one. At that point I go to the next one. And then I go to what I think the ending is going to be. I don't know all the stuff in between. I just know I got these big four or five things that have to happen that are in my head. Then we'll figure out when we get there. But usually I know the end. So you pants as well? You're not a plotter. Mostly. I do both. Okay. I, I'm more of a I'm more of a pantser, as you call it. Yeah. But I but I do think about the main plot points, things that have to happen. Um, how do I want my character to change? Therefore, what whoops, sorry about that. What um what has to happen by these characters uh, in the story to make them change the way I want them to change. Yeah. Um, so some things have to happen. Yeah. And then, and then I don't know how to get there. I'll figure that out. And then it's questions like, okay, your character arc, how has Jade changed by the end of the novel? And I'm at the point now where I'm like, I don't know. Right. I'm yeah. at the first draft honeymoon porch stage. You know? so, yeah. I kind of like to know that one. <laughs> It helps me. It helps me out writing the stuff, the, the the plot stuff. But everybody's the thing is about everybody's different. Did you follow? Did you read books on writing? Do you have a favorite author? And I'm a write like this person, or you know, who was your inspiration besides the Bobsy Twins? Dick Francis. I think I read every Dick Francis novel because it was different. It was racehorses. It was gangsters. 
all that just intrigued me. So Dick Francis was a big, big influence. And then I also liked, I liked Dan Brown. Okay. Now that was like, I don't want to say an easy read, but you knew they had to find something. They had a journey to get their stuff's going to happen to them, you know, to prevent them from getting whatever it is. But I liked the adventure of that. Well, that's the plot of most books, you know? Yeah. Hero needs something. Something's in his way. Somebody's in his way. How you overcome that and get to what you want. That's yeah. every darn book. Yeah. So what do you think makes a good book? Conflict. Conflict, conflict, conflict. Um, for example, and I'm going to say this again, and it's just because I had interviewed her, Susan Jane Wright. She wrote a book. It's just come out. And there's a scene in the beginning involving a mother and saving children. And it's, do you make a choice which child you have to save if you're in a situation? Okay. And that conflict, just, I was flipping through those pages, trying to figure out what we know, what happens at the end, um, what happens in that scene. Um Humor. Okay. I, I want some humor. If I, I will take you on, uh, you know, chase scenes, action scenes, fight scenes, and take you like in dealer's child, maybe to some dark places. But I also want to provide some humor for the reader. So it's not all doom and gloom, you know, like, cause, cause people, I think you can find some humor in just about well, in, in just about, not every situation, but yeah, I like a little bit of humor in my books. Hmm. I can find humor in anything. Yeah, <laughs> That's what's go. scary about you now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so when you talk about this, but you must be in your own mind thinking of a, of a subtext or a meaning than that below the, the, the action and the relationship, something, yeah. some point to it. Yeah. That that's deeper. It's like because when you talk about conflict, so you're thinking about some sort of meaning. Yeah, or even, for instance, a character. You know, I was working yesterday, and I my heroine is trying to get this reporter to talk to her, and I remember thinking, okay, the first time she meets him, he can't just automatically want to spill the beans about this other character. Okay make it hard for her, you know, so this, this reporter, he keeps, you know, saying, no, I'm not going to talk to you. No, I'm not going to talk to you about this person. Go away. And then the third time when she finally meets up with this reporter, she finds out that it's the reporter's wife who also used to be a reporter, you know, in some uh, awful situations. And it's just, for me, it's, little things where this reporter's wife suddenly came into the writing and I thought, whoa, who is she? Where has she come from? I like her. And it's just a simple, it's the simple, a simple message of, and I'm going to refer to her as a poor woman, this poor woman who was a reporter who now has a newborn child who's screaming at the top of her lungs and has been put in this situation of, 
domesticity, you know, motherhood, and she's just grappling with it. And so that when Jade comes to talk with them, the wife is just so glad to talk to someone about something besides Pablo, right? So it's just those little messages I like also getting across, you know, or maybe it's showing that that character is a rounded person and, and has other characteristics that make them trying to make them real. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think? No, I get that. Yeah. I get that. You want to make the characters, you want, you want your readers to see themselves and your characters at some certain points. Yeah. And that's so they identify, you know, the, are you writing for a female audience or a male audience or do you care? I, you know, originally I thought that my books would just be for a female readership, but then I've seen a few guys have picked up my book and have said uh, they've really enjoyed it. Um, and I do actually, going back to your question, Alan, <laughs> it's like my brain's on delay, <laughs> okay? Um, I do try, I don't try to resolve world issues in my book but I just try to bring light, um, let's say, prejudices that individuals may have. Okay, so yeah, so yeah, so there's the there's the answer really to your last question. And yeah, I find that you know the books may be marketed for a female audience, but I've had definitely a few guys, a few guys say they've enjoyed it. And it was funny when my husband's brother said, "Yeah, I really enjoyed Joe's book," and I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know. So, yeah. wow. So now, do you like to interact with uh, readers and fans and people that uh, that review your books and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I had one reader come up to me, and it's it's interesting what they pick up because one reader came up to me one day and she said, "This is after reading the unraveling." She had said, "Joanna, Jade." needs to eat. You don't ever have her eating. She doesn't eat breakfast, lunch, or dinner. You need to have her eating something. And I thought, okay. And then she had said to me, she goes, throw her a burger, you know, throw her a burger sometime. So when Dealer's Child came out, I thought, all right. So it was neat because I had this scene in a pub and I thought, and I was thinking of this reader and I thought, okay, Jade's getting a burger and fries, you know? So when she got that second book, she laughed she thought she really it, it it meant something to her so i'm wondering with joe does he have that that well the uh the moment of it's a reader saying this i had actually i had uh my last book the the reviewers were saying they want more of a certain character in fact they want me to spin off one of the characters to his own series i'm like well, i thought about it. i guess i could do that but I wasn't exactly sure how my last book ended. I kind of did a whodunit. So I crowdsour I'm crowdsourcing my, my next book. I'm, I'm asking all my friends and readers, now that you've read it, what do you think should happen in this book? Oh, wow. And yeah. it's pretty much all falling in the same category because it's kind of directed that way. But I'm so, just, yeah, never hurts to ask. And then I've had people say with the unraveling that the ending was too short. So I find... Here we go. I'm back on the delay. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that I don't like with with writing, I find endings difficult. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, 
the one with my editor right now, I rewrote the ending four times. And even while it was in her hands, I said to her, I'm sending you the last chapter over again, because I just, I don't want the cliched ending. And I, I've got to, I've got to change this or else I will be up at 2 a.m. in the, in the evening, you know, 2 a.m. wondering about this ending. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. I was worried in my last one, I had basically two endings and, and in between was a little bit of a breath, not too long because you got to keep them going. And I worried that two endings might be too much, but so far so good. But it was, that's the thing I sweated because I had these two endings I wanted to do. So I just put them together, see what happens. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, well, I mean, you got the idea. You're either going to steal them and keep them, or you're going to put them in a file somewhere. You say, I'm going to try to see, see if it works. You know, Al, you write it, too. It's just, if this thing doesn't work, save it. Bring it some other time. Yeah. No, put it in. Make him buy Make it. Make him read it. Read it. You may not like it, but it's in there. <laughs> it's I needed to get there. the 90,000 words, and I needed those yeah. extra 2,000. Yeah, that's how I work. Yeah. I don't. That's around. Mm-hmm. Do you have a website? Do you have social media? Do you have places that people can come find you? Yeah, it's actually pretty simple. It's jcvartstudio.net. That's the website. Okay. And on there, people will see a few of my motorcycle illustrations and my podcast. I'm on Instagram under Joanna Vanderflook author and I'm on Facebook as Joanna Vanderflook. I had an author page okay on Facebook and it may still be there but basically about around Father's Day my original Facebook page my personal page got hacked and Facebook shut my personal page down but this other author page is still out there. And what's really frustrating is I can't access it. Like I can access it. And whenever I post, the posts disappear. So um, Joanna Vanderflook on Facebook, Joanna Vanderflook author on Instagram and jcbartstudio.net. Okay. Well, we'll put all that up there so people can find you easily with one click, you know, um, you got to talk to some of your agency buddies and see if they can get that fixed on technology is our friend. Remember, it makes our life easier, less stress. Without, yeah. <laughs> My teeth, social media. It's just, come on. Come on, guys. It's not your friend. <laughs> it's your enemy. Yep. It's out to get you. Absolutely. Damn it. So uh, how was the pandemic for you? Were, were you finding it difficult to write? Are you, and I say this, um, I know a lot of writers, of course, because you've got to stay home and, and less traveling and all that. So it gives you more time in some, some cases, but uh, was it a little bit too um, stressful or upsetting? Um, And did that affect your writing? What um, happened to me is where we lived in Victoria, I used to walk to work. So it was a, like a 25 minute walk to work, 25 minute walk to home. And during that walking time, that's when I would think about my book and work out stuff on my book and plot my book. And when we went into lockdown and we were all working from home, that walk stopped. And then I was wondering, why am I not writing? I haven't written for like over a month and a half. Well, what's going on? You know, and uh, then it dawned on me, 
I was missing my walk. And so it's like, okay, I, I got to, I just got to go out for walks. If I'm not walking to work, go out for walks so I can just start thinking about my, my book again. Okay. And once I did that, then it, it's, it's almost like the habit kicked in and I started thinking about my novel. Um, I've even had a friend of mine who's an avid reader say to me that she stopped reading books, you know, just because things were so, we were in such an unknown environment, right? Um, and I have to admit with Spy Girls, with some of the things that have happened in Vancouver, not necessarily, I guess, as a, as a result of the pandemic, I've taken an incident that really bothered me. Um, I'll, I'll say it. It's in the book. Um, it was an incident of an individual spitting on a nurse. And that just got me. Just, just got me. And so... You know, I, I, I started, I wrote that in and then I kind of toned it down and, you know, like I just, I just got it out on paper and then I worked with it and now it's with the editor and I'm curious to see what notes she may have back to me because that, that actually that incident, there was a court case, there was, um, an individual appeared in court and uh, that's how we are. That's how we come into Jade's world. She's waiting to hear on the uh, decision. If this individual has been found guilty or not guilty. So did you, did you hunt this guy down and, and attack him? No, no, but you know, it's, it's, <laughs> and I guess that's what I with writing is learning what pushes your own buttons and thinking, okay, you know, if I, if I get this in fiction, you know, how can I work with this? And I've had a couple of authors I've interviewed who have said that certain events that they saw on TV is what, you know, ignited them to write the story that they wrote. So yeah, there you go. That 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 was it. That was it for us. Like the third book, Spy Girls. That was that was it. What got me? <laughs> well, the good thing about writing in fiction is that you can always, uh, you know, decide the ending. Yeah. You know, because in real life, we don't always get the ending that we'd expect or hope for, or, or that we think is right, correct. Yeah. So uh, you can in essence, make sure that uh, certain people pay for their bad behavior, yeah. you know. And and certainly, I, I would imagine in fiction writing that it, this opens it up because the last four or five years, there's been so, so many, um, let's say, creative acting people out there yeah. <laughs> uh, it, with behavior that you wouldn't expect, yeah. with actions and reactions that you'd be like, what? And and you wouldn't believe it. But now that it's so close to our day-to-day -day living, you can't help but uh, say, oh, yeah, I could see that, yeah. you know, 
you could it could happen whereas you probably wouldn't have 10 years ago for instance no you know so it's been it's been a lot of craziness that's that's gone on and i think that will influence a lot of writers and a lot of a lot of kids of our time right now so yeah and and like i mentioned it's making sure that my opinions don't come through and that i i don't want to come across as preaching you know that's not what i want to do but yeah yeah well i think that i don't think it is i don't think i i think that's all fine it's you know just letting a feeling go and talking about a situation and writing around it is fine yeah it's when you're it's when you're giving someone an answer when you're telling them yeah rather i think that's when it, people will bite back some you know yeah well um this has certainly been a pleasure we we are glad that uh you made the show um now the book that uh you're out selling now we everyone you need to get this you know um poor joanna she needs to eat (laughs) so it's called the dealer's child and it's book two of jade and sage thriller series and um we look forward to more more and more coming from you. So. That's spy one. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you guys. You'll be this in is... it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Joe's Joe's the, the yeah, Joe's the cross dresser. No, the character Joe the nose. Yeah, Joe. Well, <laughs> now that I know about Joe, ho ho. <laughs> yeah. We'll connect on social media when it's all done. Okay? Yeah, yeah. But thanks guys. This yeah. has been a blast. Look him up. He's got a new book out right now too. You should uh, he's Perfect. he's exciting. Okay. Yeah, and and you know he gives he gives all of his favorite fans. Even, and I'm not Canadian. How's that possible? Yeah. Well. So anyway, thank you very much for being on the show. We got Joanna Van der Vroek. Thank you. Thanks. You've been listening to the House of Mystery Radio Show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.